Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. This morning, as we launch into this new series on Romans, I have a bit of a confession to make. I was really struggling with putting this together and saying a couple of things that I'm going to say to you this morning. They're not really challenging. They're not really difficult. It's nothing profound or radical. But in my spirit, I, f- I felt a sense of, well, just uh, just a little bit of caution. And, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the cultural climate that we're in right now. I felt there's a sense of pushback to, to what I'm going to say. And, and so uh, I hope you'll just bear with me this morning. So with every change in life, in all of these different seasons, we know that there's opportunity for growth. And I think that every time we're faced with new information, it's important for us to be able to run those thoughts, those new ideas through a framework of faith. And I know that today, at 43 years old, I'm much different than I was 10 years ago or 20 or 30 years ago. But I do know that at my core... Because of the faith framework that I was given as a child from my church and through my parents, that I have been able to remain faithful and and honoring to that, and, and I'm grateful for it. One of the reasons I share this with you is because as we enter into this series, when we talk about Romans and read through this letter together over the next few weeks, I believe that what one of the things that Paul is ultimately trying to do is to give us a theological framework so that we can run different worldviews through that and decide what is appropriate for us. And, and, you know, honestly, in, in light of all of the things that are happening around us, we have to be thinking like this because we're there, I know that we're wrestling. I know for me, and I'm sure that many of you are also wrestling with, what does God think about certain things? And there's so many things for us to even consider. Every day on the news, on the internet, we read something new that can be challenging. And, um, I mean, you can fill in the blank with almost anything there. We've got COVID, whether to wear a mask or not. Should I get a vaccine? Donald Trump was the president. How did that ever happen? Sorry, that's not a political comment or anything like that. But, you know, there's all of these different things. So we've got the pandemic. We've got, you know, we've got LGBTQIA uh, issues. We've got Israel and Palestine conflict. Everything all around us, there are these things that, that often I wonder when I read these things, what does my faith say about this? And... It's obvious that Scripture doesn't explicitly talk to some of these things, but it certainly does deal with them. And quite frankly, and possibly more importantly, I think for many years, the church has been considerably directive in telling Christians how they should think and feel. And and the point that I want to make here is that I believe that we as individuals have lost the capacity and ability to go to the text, to the scripture ourselves, and prayerfully seek counsel from the Holy Spirit to understand what God might say to us about these issues. And the letter to the Roman church in Paul helps us do that very well. I I think many of us, we often would rather have a tweet tell us what to believe or maybe a 10-second soundbite. 
because it's simpler and it's, it's easier. But the truth is, for us as followers of Jesus, this life of faith is something that is a little bit more difficult than that. We have responsibility to, to listen to what God is doing, to be, to be prayerful, to be silent, to experience lifestyle change, to be in community, to read scripture. There's many things that we have to do as followers of Jesus in order for us to truly follow him. There's, there's much to it. But I think most importantly, we need to understand a solid grounding, a solid framework that establishes our Christian worldview. We need to know how to think like Jesus about everything that's going on in our world. And this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome helps us do that. He covers a a great many things, and and if you're familiar at all with this letter, then you understand this. Paul talks about the relationships that are happening horizontally. He talks about the relationship with God that's happening vertically. Uh, But more than anything, he, he does talk to us about what it means to have a systematic theology that we can uh, believe in. It's a, a Christian interpretation of, of the reality that we're in. And, and, um, I understand that, that many of you may not want that. And this is where I think this is really challenging for us. You, you may not want to be persuasive about your faith, but I'm here to tell you that you sharing your faith is the core to the call that is on your life as a Christian. And so fortunately, we've been given this marvelous book. Uh, This marvelous book that establishes a a, a framework that is sustainable, that's authentic, that's persuasive, and that is sturdy. So we're going to look at this book over the next few weeks. I'm going to give you a little bit of um, background here. This book was written to uh, the church in Rome in about 57 AD. And uh, Paul was not in Rome at the time. He was in Corinth. And uh, he was writing to this church that was going through a little bit of transition. There were two main groups that he was speaking to, the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were this new group of people that were starting to become the majority in the church, which, as you know, is going to create tension. And Paul is writing this letter, understanding this, helping them understand how to view the world. And, And like I said, it covers a broad range of topics. It talks about how we should relate to God, how we should relate to others, how we can have a, a, a systematic theology and understand and think about our faith. But it's at its most generalized form. The, the letter to the Roman church is really an explanation of the good news of Jesus. That is, it communicates why someone would want to follow Jesus, why the way of Jesus is worthy of getting involved with, why, why, um, how we can understand the cultural uh, experiences around us in regards to our faith and following Jesus. And I believe that our church, Quest, and the church outside of Quest, Church Universal, really needs to consider Paul's words here carefully. And so I'm, I'm going to invite you to join us over the next few weeks as we uh, look through uh, this letter and we talk about it. I, I'm, I'm asking you the question, will you join us? Will you come alongside us? Yes. Okay, everyone that nodded your head, you are committed to be here for the next six weeks every single Sunday. Good. Thank you so much. The rest of you, you should come anyway too. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to turn to the first chapter of Romans today. I encourage you to open your Bibles, look with us. We're going to focus primarily on two verses of Scripture today. 
So uh, verses 16 and 17. And uh, these verses, they set up the entire letter and and they should give us good directions as we study this. Okay, so uh, follow along with me. The words are on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take notes, underline, uh, highlight, uh, do whatever you want in your Bible because it helps you to remember this stuff. So Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. Now these two verses, uh, they're the theme for the entire letter. And I've, I've struggled with how uh, to begin this sermon series. It's difficult because of the culture that we're, we're living in. And ultimately, it's hostile uh, towards the way, this way of thinking. It's hostile to anyone who wants to be persuasive uh, for Jesus Christ. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, there are positions that we hold that may be offensive to the world around us. In fact, if you were to continue reading the first chapter of Romans, the next few verses, you will be confronted with a way of thinking that is challenging for our world. And you yourself might be uncomfortable with it. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about this, and, and here we have an issue that we deal with everywhere. I'm not going to exactly say what it is. If you want to read the chapter, I encourage you to. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about pretty quickly. But if Paul can write this letter in near 60 AD and address an issue that we're dealing with today, then I think that everything else that he has to say in this letter can possibly speak to a 21st century uh, Christian. And and so we should be uh, listening to it. So recently, I was in a difficult conversation with some friends you know, the kind uh, where, you know, you have to tell them something that you don't really want to tell them, but you know it's, it's good for them to hear it. It's challenging. It's corrective. And um, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those conversations before, but it, it creates a lot of tension. I know for me, it was a ton of tension inside of me. My, I had butterflies in my stomach. My mouth was considerably dry, but I knew that I needed to say this. And it took everything inside of me to actually blurt those words out. And as I did, as I started to say it, I had this eerie suspicion that the people that I was speaking to were no longer on my side, that they were frustrated with me and that they may not consider me their friend anymore because I was challenging uh, something in them that they didn't want challenged. Now, it was interesting because in the conversation, I had another person that was with us. There were four of us there. And uh, this fourth person, he, he caught my eye. He intentionally was looking at me in the eye. And, um, and it was almost as if he was saying, I'm for you. I agree with you. Uh, I support you. Keep going. This needs to be said. And as I saw him, I was reassured. And all of a sudden, all of the things that were locked up inside of my head that were, that were really difficult to get out, they started to flow freely. That reassurance is, is what I needed. You may have experienced this possibly maybe as, you're, as a parent, uh, having to tell uh, you know, your child something difficult, corrective. And you know you don't want to. And I know that I've experienced this where, where in those moments, just to have a pat on the back from my wife or maybe, uh, you know, just a squeeze on my knee, it helps me to know, okay, she's with me. We're in this together. We can get through this. This is the right thing to do. And, and at the end of the day, I believe these two verses in Romans are doing this exact same thing. 
as we are going into difficult conversations with other people, where we're proclaiming our faith in Jesus that might be challenging to our culture, Paul is saying, I am with you. I am for you. I'm encouraging you, which I hope which I hope will make us more bold in our faith. And so I'd like to read this, these two verses again. And I want us to imagine that, that we're, we're sitting down with a group of people that aren't believers and we're sharing our faith with them, knowing how challenging it is. But we can imagine Paul sitting there right next to us, looking us in the eye, maybe patting us on the back and him saying, I'm here with you. So let's read these words. Let's all do it out loud. I want us to vocalize this as if we know and we feel the support of Paul as we say this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And we often forget that our faith is, is the answer to all of the things that ail us in this world. Racism, sexism, hate, bigotry, you name it. If you listen to what Jesus taught, then you will see that there is no reason to be ashamed. Following Jesus is something that you and I need to be sharing as much as we can. We should not be ashamed, but rather be comforted knowing that the good news of Jesus is something that will save this world, that will change this world. And I think it's sad that, that often we're convinced that we are wrong. You know, and, and I don't know why. We, we believe that what the world has to offer is maybe better, uh, maybe it's more true, more honest, more loving, uh, but that is simply false. You know, the way of Jesus is the only way that is complete. It's the only way that is whole. It is the only way that's truly good. It's something that, that we should be proud to profess as followers of Jesus. The way of Jesus will make this world a better place. So when we read this letter, know that you will be challenged. There will be things that are written in here that you're going to be uh, uncomfortable when you hear it. But it's important for us to ask good questions whenever we feel that discomfort. Whenever we think, is this view that Paul is presenting here the correct view? Or is the cultural view that I'm maybe more comfortable with correct? Ask yourself good questions. You know, just this past week, uh, I was teaching a group of middle school students on Wednesday night. And um, by the way, we have a really solid youth ministry here at Quest. And um, I couldn't be more proud of the students that we have who are coming week after week and opening the Bible and studying Scripture and asking good questions and having great conversations and encouraging one another along as they go about uh, these, these, these stories. It, we really do have a great uh, youth ministry here at Quest. I'm really proud. In the first service, everyone clapped after I said that. And so I'm expecting you to do the same thing. <laughs> we really do. I told the middle schoolers I was going to say that too. Like, hey, I'm going to talk about you in the service. Yeah. Well, as we were, as we were reading, we've been studying 
uh, the, the book of Colossians over the past six weeks. And then we came to this portion of scripture in which Paul does a, a very similar thing uh, to that which he has done in Romans chapter one. So I'm going to read these verses uh, for you here. Colossians four verses two through six. They say this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. By the way, Paul, as he's writing this letter, is in prison. And he's writing to the church in Colossia, and, and he's, he's telling them, pray for us while we are in prison, while we are chained, that we might continue to have opportunities to share with these prison guards the truth of Jesus. Because this is what we should be doing. He goes on, pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, Paul knows that the message of Christ will confront the culture. Every single culture that's ever existed on this planet, the message of Christ will confront it, not in a bad way, but in the most appropriate way. The reason he knows that is because humankind is driven by their broken desires. And those desires always lead down a path of destruction. You don't have to look very far to recognize this. Many of you have probably seen it all around you. Even the most altruistic people around us are broken and desirous of things that are selfish. Right? Meanwhile, though, Paul is telling his followers, his disciples, the people who want to follow Jesus to be the kinds of people that others want to listen to because the life of Jesus is the only one that leads to salvation. The way of Jesus is the only way that leads to love. This, this life of following Jesus is the only one that leads to mercy. And so he's saying, be people who others want to listen to. And as you are sharing, share the story of Jesus because it will change lives for the best. And when we look around in our world and we see all the brokenness and we know deep in our heart that there's an answer that will heal the brokenness, but we fear for some reason telling the truth. And, and maybe I'm just speaking to, for me and, and this isn't for you, but our world does not want to accept the way of Jesus. They do not because they don't want to recognize that the only way for us to get out of the hatred and the bigotry that is surrounding us is to be humble to choose to love God and others before we seek what is best for ourselves. The way of Jesus is a life of deference, a life that looks out for the needs of others, but we're afraid to love that way because we understand that people might take advantage of us, right? Because they don't follow the same path that we're on, they might cost us something greatly. And I understand that this is an issue for us, but this is the very thing that Jesus did when he walked the earth. He gave up his life so the world might be saved, so we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We can look around the world and see all that's wrong with it. We can even try and figure out ways in our own power to fix the world. But the greatest truth that we might ever understand is that our biggest problems in life are not horizontal issues. 
They're not issues with the people that we are engaging with, right? Sure, there's problems there. You know, those are simply, though, manifestations of a much greater problem. That's the problem of man's relationship with God. It's a vertical problem. It goes from us to God. Paul wrote to us that he was not ashamed of the gospel because he understood that if we can get our relationship with God right, then the other issues in our lives would begin to work themselves out. Imagine if everyone that you knew, everyone that you lived around, everyone that you worked with, everyone that walked in this community was a follower of Jesus. I mean, how much easier would it be for us to only have to interact with other Christians? It's true, there would still be tension, we'd still have fights, but at the very least, we would have a common language and a common understanding of following Jesus, and that would make it so much easier. And that is the very reason why we should spend every effort that we can to share Jesus with every person that we can. This is why Paul wanted to share his faith. He wants everyone to understand this truth, that there is a a level playing field and our righteousness only comes from God and not from anything else that we can do. See, I think the greatest issue that we face as Christians today is that we might be ashamed of the gospel because of what other people tell us about the gospel. Those things that they think that are untrue. You and I might hear that Christianity is really just for bigots. You know, or, or that, that there's certain people who are excluded from faith because of how they live. Well, here's the truth. There is no way that we can live and find salvation apart from Jesus. No one can work so hard for faith and achieve it without the grace of Jesus. No one. It's a gift from God, not by anything that we can do. There's many other things that you might hear about following Jesus or the way of Jesus. You might hear that it's unscientific. You might hear that, that, uh, that it's truly unloving. Well, those are false. The reality is people who have encountered the way of Jesus and they felt challenged but they didn't want to change, they have those understandings. But the truth is, Jesus says, if you would just surrender, if you would understand what it means to live humbly and walk with me, to serve others first, to serve God first and then to serve others before we serve ourselves, if you were to do that, then you would know what a good life is. See, Paul preached an inclusive gospel. Please understand me when I say this. Paul did not say that anyone can come, be accepted, and then stay the same. Rather, he said that anyone can come, yes. Jesus accepts everyone, yes. But when confronted with Jesus, lives will change. You and I, we can't save this world, and that's okay. Jesus already has saved the world. The only thing that we can do is partner with God and point as many people to him as we can. I had a seminary professor who used to tell this story uh, about a Bible student who one day she was um, having a a crisis of faith in life and she approached um, her professor that taught the New Testament and, uh, and, and she asked the professor, she said, what does it take for someone to believe in Jesus? She was, she was struggling with anxiety and uh, she had been contemplating suicide. 
to the point that she was ready to go ahead and go through with it. And there she was about to make this decision. And then all of a sudden, a thought popped in her head. And this is what she thought. Now remember, I'm sorry, you don't know this. Um, She was not a Bible reader. But the thought that she had was, my life is not my own. I have been bought with a price, which is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. When she was a young girl, she attended a VBS class. And the VBS teacher had these students write on strips of paper this line, my life is not my own, I've been bought with a price. And she was encouraged to memorize it. And there she was on that potentially last day of her life. And that's the thought that that saved her. See, we don't know the impact that we might make on someone when we encourage them to follow Jesus. When we share Jesus with people, lives might be saved. It's a work that's done outside of the physical body. It's a work that's done by the Holy Spirit. And nothing that we can do, but we have a chance to be a part of someone's salvation when we choose to not be ashamed of the gospel and we share it. See, an internal impact we can make because we choose to follow unashamedly the way of Jesus. Our primary work as Christians is to continue to tell the story of Jesus and what he can and will do for other people. We have to be people like Paul and a host of others who are sharing their faith. And the great news is that those people, Paul and the disciples and the apostles who went before us, And some of the the giants of the faith, the pillars of the faith, they are right there with us, looking us in the eye, patting, patting us on the back and saying, don't be ashamed. I'm right here with you. You are in good company. We can be encouraged by this. So my challenge for you today is to not be ashamed, but instead to continue and tell everyone that you can about faith. So let's choose to follow Paul's guidelines. Let's be winsome about Jesus to the people that we know. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the work that you do in the lives of your creation, of the people that we know in our lives. Lord, we're thankful that that it's not by our works that are broken, that are inadequate, Um, that, that people are saved, but instead by the work of the Holy Spirit. We're thankful that you allow us to participate with you, to be the messengers of this good news. So God, I pray that you would embolden us, that you would encourage us, that we would believe the things that are written in your scripture and we would not be ashamed. that we would share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, with as many people as we can. Let us be lights in the darkness. Let us be winsome talkers who lovingly share who your son is. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. 
If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.